0: Welcome to Building Safe Workplaces, casual talk about serious matters. I'm your host, Tommy Nitwith with Hask. Today, we're going to talk with an industrial hygienist to see how we've been faring through this whole COVID-19 crisis and the pandemic, but also what, what exactly can we be doing more of? Joined today by a guest, Bob Borman. And uh, Bob, would you like to introduce yourself
1: a little bit? Sure, Tommy. Thank you for having me. Um, As mentioned, my name is Bob Borman. I'm a certified industrial hygienist and a certified safety professional. I started my career in 1986 uh, working in the the petrochemical world as a plant hygienist. After about 10 years, in 1997, decided to kind of hang my own shingle out and become a consultant. And as a consultant, we've pretty much done a lot of different kinds of uh, uh, industrial hygiene services for many different types of uh, en- en- entities in all kinds of different manufacturing and industrial fields uh, and that include construction and, uh, and uh, petrochemical refining etc okay so
0: Bob for, for those who might not know what exactly does an industrial hygienist do
1: well that's a that's a phrase that us industrial hygienists of the have communities tossed around for quite some time to how to define <laughs> ourselves um, but really it's a it's a professional technical, um, occupation. Um, it, does, it is a profession that, that goes through a certification process. Um, I like to really kind of say the main role of the industrial hygiene profession is to allow all workers a healthy retirement um, because what we're doing is we're trying to prevent those kinds of incidents and events that could happen that could that can uh, not let that happen. Um, we, are, we are educated and, and developed to assess like risk. Uh, we learn the processes and tasks and, and we anticipate the risk, then we ID the risk, then we measure the risk, we evaluate the risk, we make solutions, then we reevaluate, and then we train individuals on how to recognize when something might happen to make it uh, more significant. It's a profession that's, that's a professional technical um, occupation. The professional uh, it, it, does have the, it does have a certification process to become a, a CIH after some experience, usually typically five years. Uh, I like to say the main role of the industrial hygiene profession is to allow all workers a healthy retirement. Um, we are educated, developed to, to assess risk through our professional development. Uh, I think we're really good risk assessors. And it starts with learning the process and the tasks and then be able to anticipate the risks associated with that task. And then we, we ID the risks, we measure the risks, we evaluate what, what the degree of the risk, and then we come up with solutions and controls, and then we back and reevaluate the the effectiveness of those controls, and then last we leave some training to those individuals to be able to recognize when certain instances may be significant, where where that risk could be then again more elevated, and we and we'd reevaluate. Excellent, excellent. So uh,
0: getting into, I mean, we can't really seems like we can't even talk this year without bringing up the year 2020 has been with the pandemic. so how has your role as an industrial hygienist taken form this year? I mean obviously it's probably a little bit different this year than than a traditional year uh, so so
1: what role has has your your profession developed into this year? Well I think we've always the industrial hygienists have always had an arm in um, infection uh, control and infectious pandemics etc starting way back you know but i think the avian flu was, was when i got involved but um, to achieve ih and to achieve the goals of making certain that people are safe and healthy it's not uncommon for ihs to team with very other with other professionals so we'll team with like toxicologists safety and engineers engineers welders and in in this case some of the the infection control professionals and and the medical personnel so it's it's still kind of a, it's really a a good fit for us because it's, we still try to anticipate what, and that would Mm -hmm. be the uh, COVID-19 and then the how, how it ends up um, doing this transmission from person to person. And then what are the risks, you know, secondary risk would be contact to surfaces, more of the primary risk being direct exposure to the aerosols from the human, and then how to fix it. What are the controls? So it's actually kind of an easy transition for us. And since we're dealing risk all the time, Um, yes it has been a crazy year but it has not been something that's been hard for us to grasp no good so you so this is right up y'all's
0: alley then you're you're looking at this and figuring out what the risks are and how they can be done we've heard so much on the the news about how contagious this thing is and and how how it can spread on surfaces and things like that my question is is it Possible to even work in this type of environment today obviously we have to right but Mm -hmm. but what I mean it's got to be challenging
1: right I mean it 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 can be done though right Uh, I totally think so I mean I've always said that when it comes to the workplace there's all hazards no matter how severe can be effectively managed within the workforce Um, and I don't think COVID-19 is any any different Um, workplaces establish procedures um, they effectively do the training to set the expectations and the conditions of employment in following these procedures, and then the practices are followed to protect themselves and, and others. And I don't see any different in, in doing those kind of practices in the workforce to uh, prevent the exposure to COVID, to any to infectious agents, to chemicals, to to noise, whatever. As long as we understand what the risks are, what causes them, and how to prevent them. Um, after being, being evaluated properly. The tough part about this is though, it's kinda kind of like noise, there's the off work potential. And you know, at the, at, the, at the work sites it's easy, I mean it's condition of employment, you're gonna follow this, and so I think it's pretty easy to manage the potentials there. It's the difficult part about what does the employee do when they're off hours.
0: Right, and then whatever they do off hours is gonna obviously affect when they come back to work. Correct, that's yeah. correct. So so, what are some things to consider? You know, we, we, we talk about bringing our workforce back, but to even drill down further than that, like like you just alluded to, sometimes it's not bringing an entire workforce back. It could just be bringing people back from a weekend, from a holiday. We're we're in holiday season right now, right? Yeah. Uh. So so these people are. This is a a time for people to gather with their families to to get together for the holidays. What. What are some things to consider when you're bringing back workforce, uh, not, just, not just people who have been in quarantine, but also people who maybe have you know, taken vacation a or lot, a lot of vacations at this time of
1: year as well? Well, um, hopefully by now the workforce has already have some processes and written programs, mainly a, a full written program in place that will drive the many things that is necessary. To one, bring back the whole population after maybe a closure. To two, um, just bringing back selective individuals that went on vacation and stuff like that. Um, again, I think it's I think it's training is probably one of the big keys. Is you have to train on that procedure and make everybody uh, understand the importance of that procedure. Understand the importance of the fact that there is a um, like a like a silent way in which someone can infect you because there's there's some that are, that that do not develop the signs and symptoms, um, or asymptomatic. And those individuals could then come into the workforce through the types of screening that we have. And, um, so I think the first thing that one should do is like maybe like a quick toolbox then kind of similar to heat stress and remind people to please social distance, to please wear the masks and and so forth and, and be, and be mindful of, 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 uh, close human contact when they're not at work. Right. And and you mentioned, you know, uh,
0: we had a a conversation earlier with with another individual and he talked about having a, they had a pandemic procedure since 2003. Mm -hmm. However, the pandemic procedure expanded from a seven page document to a 37 page document this, this year. My question to you is, do you think everyone has these procedures? And does, do people know what is supposed to be in these procedures?
1: Well, I'm not certain that I know who, if everybody have them. Right. But I do know that we need to get away from just the shoot from the hip or respond when we have an, an actual uh, exposure at work that we identify and we just go in with a rapid clean and be done. It does have to start with a, with a, with a good written procedure. And in that that time of 2003, that probably was the avian flu. We were writing pandemic programs for companies then too. And yes, it has grown a lot. And again, I think that the main reason that this is, we've learned a lot. Um, We've learned better screening tools. We've learned better ways to clean. We've learned, I shouldn't say clean. I should say we've learned better to clean and disinfect. Mm Um, but but the kill, the tough part with this one though is again it's that it's that silent infection that can happen or that silent um, uh, 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 yeah silent infection that can happen because of that asymptomatic person which wasn't the case in some of the earlier pandemics right and so you could be doing all these practices very very well and yet as soon as you uh, reoccupy that space your potential's there mm-hmm. so you just have to keep these measures always going. Um, cleaning, meshes, cleaning measures, the, the the use of universal PPE, etc., in order to, to, I think, to uh, resolve this. Right. So
0: industrial hygiene, industrial is in your name, so obviously that's your main focus, right? But this virus isn't just an industrial virus. I mean, we're talking grocery stores, we're talking uh, mom-and-pop diners, we're talking bars, we're everything. What What are some of the things that commercial, private and and other entities and even even, you know, schools, you know, uh, a lot of schools are going back. I just saw on the news uh, just the other day that New York has suspended all of their schools Mm -hmm. in person classes. What are some of the things that they're, they're more particularly important from an industrial hygienist perspective for those commercial places? Because that, like you said earlier, that's very hard to control, right? If you're in in a, in a plant or in a, a facility, you have rules and standards you have to follow. Mm-hmm. There's no set of rules when you're at HEB.
1: No, no. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, and that that's that's the difficult part because uh, my part of the job and my where I am, it's it's a little easier because one, we're not dealing with the public, we're dealing with like say an industrial environment where we're manufacturing something, and they're used to having procedures in place for wearing ppe and, and and chemical protective clothing and decon and all that kind of stuff that's that's na- that's that's natural to them then you deal with the public and in commercial and so forth it's kind of at the mercy of trying to convince them as a whole as a whole population that it's the important thing to do and, and I, I can't stress enough it's the main purpose of this is is because of the of the a- asymptomatic person so you never know you can do all the screening you want, you'll never know whether or not that person right next to you is affected. So it has to be through the, um, the measures of, of so proper social distancing and, and wearing the, the, the cloth or N95 masks and then washing your hands um, at, at a regular, at regular frequency and not touching your face. Just all the ones that just keep getting repeated and repeated and repeated. And, but it, it's hard to sell such a large population, right? I mean, so I guess for me, when I I I had a, a, a one of my sons was a little kind of resistant to being sent at home a whole mm-hmm. bunch. And I can't remember the artist, but there's an artist that's it's it's current to this day. It's gonna get taken down in like I think November, but it's out in D.C. and plants flags every day of how many how many how many deaths that we've had. But granted, we're just focusing on deaths, mm-hmm. not the money then, that we're losing from just having the, the uh, someone that's been sick in the hospital for a while, and it's just an enormous amount of flags. And then I think um, I'm also starting to feel some of the secondary people that I know that have started to have some, some issues. So I think that, as unfortunately, as, as we start to come closer and closer with, with having experiences and stuff like that, maybe the mass population will practice the, which, what we need to do when we have the, the silent infector. Right. And
0: like you said, that asymptomatic person is, is really the, because I've, I've spoken with people and and know people personally who have gotten uh, (laughs) COVID-19 and they showed symptoms. And I've also known people who have gotten it, who had no idea. They did not even get a a runny nose. Yeah. And, and, and they tested positive. Correct. And, and
1: that's, that's difficult to control, like you said. And it's, and it's, it's unique i mean that's why it's, it's being such a such such a such a large pandemic is because it's not this is new to us mm-hmm. you know right so
0: uh we're talking about industrial hygiene in the in the workplace but we, we can't do that without mentioning of course uh workplace evaluations how, how has that changed i mean obviously uh bob you know it's no big secret we had you come to hask and mm-hmm. and evaluate our our what we were doing and we said you know Tell us where we can do better. Early in this pandemic, I think it was like uh, March or April, yeah. we asked you to come in and evaluate us and ask us, you know, what are some things we could do? And you actually had some valuable insights to us that at that time that we had not thought about. We were doing everything the CDC said. We were doing everything we, we thought we could do and everything we heard. But you had actually brought in and, and highlighted some touch points that we we didn't even think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the the one that, that comes to mind is... Uh, these stanchions we have for the forming a line, you know, and to keep people in, in in a line. We had them six feet apart, but you said, "What are people standing in line? What are they going to do? They're going to put their hands on those stanchions." Mm-hmm. And and that's something we didn't even think about. What what are what are some other things that you've you've noticed or seen?
1: Well, first of all, I think that that, that was an easy one for me because I was <laughs> always a, a, a one that couldn't stand in lines very well without fidgeting everywhere. So that was a simple one for me to recognize. But also, I think that during that time. This was pretty early, and I think kudos to to the, the Health and Safety Council because um, this was a time when th- there was going to be some mand- mandatory closures, and I think that this was still a very necessary um, training that people needed to do because of all turnarounds and so forth going in. And I think that you doing that and doing these efforts and having documentation of this audit or review. Uh, kept you from being closed. I know that some some other uh, uh, entities similar to you did get closed, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that progressive approach um, w- fared very well for you. Um, so I, I think the first thing it's, it's it's all about workflow or pattern of people. And you got to look at you know you got to separate it. You got to look to where they're going and and stuff like that. But I think for me, um, you, you go in and review. You got to look at the written procedures. Uh, you got to. You got to look at maybe some of the cases that they've may have had. You got to look at the way they respond. Um, you got to look at what the response efforts are. They're, you know returning to work efforts. I mean, you can go, you can go on and on and on. But I think f- to answer this one best is, is I think that I, I wanted to kind of bring into, go into best practices. And I, I can't go, with, go f- mention best practices without actually mentioning some references of individuals or entities that have done a really good job in making my life easier and, and, and probably making other individuals easier as well. And that is the, uh, the AIHA, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, has some really good references out on their page, well easy organized from respiratory pit, uh, uh, fit testing, I'm uh, sorry, for uh, cleaning guides and tips. Um, they also have uh, engineering controls as well as the American Industrial Hygiene Association. You get out to their sites, they got some really good stuff. Of course, the CDC is the number one source of info, but you know the, the the AIHA has backtoworksafely.org page started up. The National Safety Council has some information that is good in, in, in mainly in the commercial and the public sector. Uh, OSHA does, ASHRAE has a really good one out there to, to talk about how to deal with your ventilation system. Um, and I think when you come in and look at the contact, let's look at the secondary contact points first, is you, you can't do anything without hitting a really good control guide that uh, that I used before coming out here, and it's it was a joint effort between the Restoration Industry Association, the AIHA and the Institute of Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certificate Certificate Certification. Sorry, um, they got a really good one and give very good tips um, on how to properly uh, protect the worker doing the cleaning, but also all the tips on how to properly properly uh, clean and disinfect. Um, and, and so forth. So I think those we're seeing so much different information that is that people have just rose to the occasion and, and provided information to make it uh, pretty easy to do an evaluation of the
0: workforce. Right. So have you seen through your evaluations, have you seen anything that you just like may have caught you and go, oh, wow. That's that's really awesome. I, I, I you know I didn't think of that. What were are some best practices or some some kudos to those people who uh, who came up with something that you know maybe you didn't even think about it through your your process. Well, I
1: I don't think that I think of a lot. I think a lot of times those of us that go to these places aren't always thinking about them. You're just sharing ideas that you collect along the way. Right. And uh, I actually I think you had one here in house, and that was the way that you managed the, the respiratory fit testing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's been popped up throughout this pandemic um, questions to us all the time is how are you gonna do this without spreading the, the illness? And one, you got the nice volume of that, but I think that a lot of it was that, that you only use the machine once, you got, uh, you, you've, you've got you got respirator um, uh, washing machines, so you only use the respirator once, you take the, you take the hose out of cycle for, thir- for 36 hours and a clean, and I th- I think that that makes me feel very safe. So I mean I've had fit tests, had mm-hmm. people fit tested here yeah. because of, because of, uh, I feel very very comfortable with that. I've seen really good use of barriers. I really like the barriers at the grocery stores. You mentioned the ones mm-hmm. like, I you know some of the I'm not going to mention the retails, but some are better than others. Um, actually I, actually the other one stepped up. You know the ones where you got to scan your card to get your stuff. They now have a little employee or a a, a, a person, the the shopper that you can put your own ring your own card. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, having uh, manned places with uh, the uh, the door. That was another one. I really thought it was when I first come to, to here, I wouldn't have thought of actually having a manned door that would be gloved and open the door for me, for every person that comes in. That just, that to me, the process of entry felt comfortable because I was not, other than the fact that maybe aerosol, because maybe I was infected and maybe I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But as far as my personal contact, I was, I felt like I was entering, not bringing material in and not uh, spreading it from just from the initial contact. And so, so speaking on touch points,
0: what, what are some other touch points that people may not be thinking about?
1: Well, I think that um, when you're trying to bring someone back to the work environment, you have to review your workspace. Um, there's a lot of personal items, there's a lot of knickknacks. there's a lot of things that are on that surface that a, a an entity that you're hiring to come in and do the disinfect the cleaning and disinfection is just going to have to move or be in the way or make shortcuts. So I think you really need to evaluate and go you know I don't need that here for now. Um, so no I mean, better time to clean your office. no than better time to day. get the desk space desk space. I um, kind of treat it like that counter at home that you're going to want to make certain that you, clean the food particles off of real good before you cook again, uh-huh. rather than have just so much stuff just piled up. Um, you might want to also consider less items in your, you know no items in your pocket, um, minimal items in your pocket, minimal items in your purse, stuff like that that just comes stuff that you can just get contaminated as well. Um, oh, back to the workspace, you got mouse pads. A lot of times you don't even need a mouse pad. It can work just directly off of, off of the, uh, the surface itself. So I mean, so there are just so many things. That I think you just need to look at and go. I touched that and and move on. Um, I'm a fan of of keeping your phone clean. Mm-hmm. Um, back when um, bloodborne pathogens came out, we were kind of trying to say, why don't we treat that as an infection control program, just like they do in hospitals, and kind of trying to minimize the the common cold and the loss of work time that we get from individuals. So make sure you keep things disinfected and things of like that that like that too.
0: Excellent. Um, well. So we, we highlighted a lot of the best practices. Now, uh, what are some of the things that you may have seen that we implemented that may not be as effective? Uh, I know uh, maybe some mis- misconceptions about uh, cleaning surfaces. or seeing, Is there anything that you see a lot of effort, or maybe not a lot of effort, but maybe something that you see has happened that is not as effective? I know that... Uh, Previously, uh, a person told me that, you know, temperature scans were, he felt, were not that effective because they tended to slow the the lines down and you could form lines and and they weren't really seeing a result of that. So is there anything that that we're doing that might not be the biggest
1: bang for the buck? Um, Yeah, I think that there's a couple things that might be... Uh, that you have to kind of look out for, but first on the temperature scans, I, I'm a fa- I'm I'm a fan of the temperature scans. You mm-hmm. can control the line and control the distance. You know, some of the nice things that have come out of nice little products that easily convey that to people. You stick them on the floor; they look nice. They're not just this duct right. tape or mm-hmm. stuff like that. They secure well, and so I think that I really think that 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 I bet those temperature scans have prevented some individuals to entering facilities. So to so I think that that could be managed. Um, I have to say some, one of, some of the bigger ones is all the stuff that comes out regarding the cleaning market. I think you've got to be careful. Um, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the, of the fogging, mm-hmm. um, I, and, and I know that that's backed up by some of the references that I've, that I've mentioned. Um, you've got to calculate so many calculations to make certain to get proper volume, proper, proper retention time on the surfaces. The surface has to stay wet for a while, etc., and so I think that, I think fogging is is, is, is probably not a, a, a direction to go, even though it seems convenient. Right. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, you know fogging with uh, hydrogen peroxide. That's a whole different application, and that has some good 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 merits with maybe continue or re, reuse of some of the N95 filters in the hospital industry. But um, but I, I it, just to come in here and just fog, I, I think doesn't really do well. Um, also, I think that the the word of cleaning just to walk around and just spray and wipe I, yeah a lot of I think you really pay attention to what the actual uh, certification of that through the EPA what the actual uses are or how you have to use it because some you know you have a good clean surface before you can even utilize the disinfectant right so so I think that um, a ill managed cleaning program does you know good I think mm-hmm. you, you really need to uh, to look at that
0: um and a lot of that really really goes back to training right because i mean when my kids were were were, i was teaching my kids clean surfaces in their room and stuff like that they do that exact same thing they'd have a a a product that says oh this kills 99.9 percent of germs and they spray it on and they wipe it off and i'm Mm -hmm. like well wait a second do you do you actually know how to use that product did you read the instructions and if you read those instructions Mm -hmm. they say you have to spray it on and let it set for a certain amount of time before you wipe it off. But a lot of people don't, they, they just glaze over
1: that part, they just spray it on, wipe it off, and they think, hey, this surface is disinfected at That's this right. point. That's right, and, and um, you know, you, we gotta use the products that the EPA have approved for Corona-19, and there hardly is any, mm-hmm. you know, they like, before the EPA really puts their their, their mark on it, they're, it's gonna be tested to that agent, or to that, to that, to that, that, that virus. But they have gone on to say, you hit this end list. these would be effective because they, even though not tested, but they're, they're, they actually uh, kill more hardy viruses or more mm-hmm. hardy organisms. But each one of those, though, you, does have a specific um, use, and it does talk about, you know, the retention times and things like that. So you actually really do have to have to look at that. That is not something that, that, that you just, it's just a, everything's just a quick, quick wipe and done. Mm-hmm. Another thing I think is some of these products and uh, that are coming out saying that they will have a staying uh, antibacterial, antivirus power. Um, I've seen commercials I, yeah, about that. Yeah, that that is true to some effect. That it'll affect, it'll protect the actual product. But um, these entities that I talked about here and these these these, uh, these guides, they too are a little skeptical on that. That there's not a little lot of proof. And what we worry with that is that, okay, so if I do that, then I don't have to touch cleaning that for quite some time because it's going to be antiviral for mm-hmm. so long. Well, that's not the case. You still have to have a good managed um, uh, frequency of, of, of cleaning to, to, to make this whole effort effective. Excellent,
0: excellent. So do you ever think that we're going to get back to what we have all referred to as normal
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, kind I, of a loaded question. It there, is right? a loaded question because, because it kind of still circles back to that same thing of a silent spreader. I mean, in the workforce, yeah, I, I think in some of the workforces or some of the work the companies that we go work for, yeah, uh, I, I think that they have a they have a, you know all the good training programs and stuff like that, and they are managing it well at the at the facilities. And again, I think it's just the type of uh, culture and stuff that they instill on their safety and health and environmental uh, processes and so forth will eventually catch everybody off site as well Mm -hmm. so i think that population i think will be pretty good it's still it's it's dealing with the whole public population and whether or not uh, they want to do this this simple um uh wear the mask right social distance now of course you know once we start adding some of the um, vaccines and so forth yeah you know I mean who knows but right. I, I, I i think that I, I think that we have entered an interesting era and I think that I hope we we learn something by it um, some of our insurance just our regular old insurance that, that are are taxed upon our employers are crazy just influenza and cold and all that so hopefully we can learn from this to to actually bring that cost down mm-hmm. by losing some of the workforce to lost lost times and stuff like that, through regular sicknesses and things. Right,
0: I think I think when the when the uh, uh, antidote or the, uh, the vaccine uh, vaccine comes out, it, it'll get better. But but a lot of people are going to you know recommend the vaccine. But you you know you've got some people out there that are anti vaccination period, and and so you're still going to have a a certain Score of the population that'll be skeptical about Yeah,
1: it. yeah, yeah. We're kind of getting away from the technical aspect of this. I guess topic, we are, but, yeah. But I don't, I, you know, I, I, and <laughs> I like to talk that, that part because that is that's part of safety behavior, right? right I mean, right. safety behavior is, is a very inter, uh, important part in making certain people buy into it to solve and prevent it from, from occurring. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, for this kind of thing for infectious agents that failure to follow or buy into it affects me right and it affects you and so that's that's the difficult part I mean it's it's you know i i can buy don't want to buy into something like using a chair in here instead of a ladder well, i'm hurting myself mm-hmm. but if i don't want to buy into um no not a chair instead of a ladder pause using a ladder instead of a chair right <laughs> so, but anyway um yeah that's that's it's you a difficult, to do it, that's yeah.
0: difficult right? So so being being industrial hygienist, what what is the what is the hardest part of your job, especially in this year?
1: Or is it just all gravy? Uh, well, you know what? I I chose this profession cuz I really like it. Uh-huh. Um you know, people ask, when are you are going to retire? I don't know. I, I really, really like it. I, it, I think it's a very valuable, and a, I'm passionate about it. Hardest part of the job? I'd have to say, man, that's, uh, it's all kind of hard. But I guess the hardest part of the job is, hmm. would it be just to have people
0: actually implement the things? I mean, because sometimes you get recommendations, and they're great, but implementation falls short right
1: yeah yeah um you know having the time to follow up on proper implementation mm-hmm. sometimes i mean I, I i remember in the past i would design some ventilation controls for certain um when i worked for that company mm-hmm. and then not follow up on the 10 the, the people that are out there working the 10 until i go out there and go oh my god that isn't even close to what i to what it was supposed to look like and now it looks like just a horrible design right so i think it's maybe maybe that um, you know, I like facing the unknown, so that's pr- probably not it. Mm-hmm. Um Would you consider that I would that say maybe? this this p- part during this pandemic the worst part's been able to not being able to reach out to some of these um contacts that you typically would be able to have contacts with and that that have expertise in different areas to be able to 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 talk about some of that stuff. So mm-hmm. so I guess I guess I don't really know if I have an answer of what's the hardest part of the job. Well, what's your favorite? I'd have to say my my, my favorite part of the job is um, developing uh, younger industrial hygienists into becoming good industrial hygienists. That's good. probably my favorite. Excellent, excellent. And is there a big demand
0: for uh, industrial? Obviously, the demand may be up this year, but... But how is the overall field of industrial hygienists? Is, there, is it a growing field of industrial hygienists,
1: growing demand? Well, I think the, the need's up there. I know there's going to be a lot of retirements of the, of the certified ones in, in the upcoming years. And there have been efforts by the American Industrial Hygiene Association to try to get out there and, and try to tell the, the young folks from uh, junior high and high school what it actually is. Because, mm-hmm. again, that's been the biggest pitfall is trying to explain to people what it actually is. Um, so yeah, I mean theres there's plenty of opportunity and I think that with you know the internet and people out there looking at what chemicals can do to you, what this can do to you, what that can do to you what what we've got now people worried about um, G5, mm-hmm. and there's so many types of questions that come across our desks. Uh, 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 yeah I think that I think that uh, that, that, that it is a growing profession um, but I, I'm not t- too certain if we're growing fast enough to... Uh, keep that niche, and and because there's a lot of times when you'll just lose that to another, uh, another profession, right? Mm-hmm. You
0: know. So everyone loves a, a, a pretty a good horror story. What's what's something in your profession that you've heard of that uh, just stayed with you? I mean, something that obviously you said earlier you're passionate about industrial hygiene. Mm-hmm. What what garnered that passion? What what made you so passionate about industrial hygiene? Was it something that? that you saw or something that happened or is it just something that you just innately had from
1: a young adult? I think it was a combination of some stuff. Um, I was first in biology Mm -hmm. and liked all the ologies, you know, like the virology microbiology and that kind of stuff. And then took this class called toxicology and kind of fell in love with that. But that coupled with some other things in, in my life, like, uh, um, my wife's grandfather uh, died of black lung. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my grandpa was in the coal mines. Got out of the coal mines. So so some of that stuff kind of hit home, and you, and you start to learn. Going wow, this this stuff could have really been prevented. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's where some of the drive of of where um, I get pretty passionate about this. Also in the early part of my career, it was pre PSM. You know, I've seen some pretty, you know, disastrous um, types of incidents. And, right. And granted, those aren't typically industrial hygiene, mm-hmm. but they do make you passionate to protect the to protect your fellow man. So. Protect the workers, right? Yeah, protect your worker. Absolutely. So so I, I think that's... I think that... But as, as far as horror stories, oh my gosh, I mean... Uh, uh, I've had stories from those... Uh, some of these plants where they just put rags in their mouth and run into acid concentrators. They would... They'd sit outside of of cube cutters and cry because their ears hurt, but eventually it got better. Um, My first industrial hygiene call at this one facility that that had been around for a really long time was probably my best. I don't know if you're going to want to record this, though. (laughs) But, um, of course, we're always trying to define exactly what industrial hygiene is, right? Right. And so the supervisor calls me down to this one control room. Uh, I, I have to wait till after the day shifts out because he wants to show me this this industrial hygiene concern. So I get into the control room, and he starts to talk about this one gentleman who's been there many many years. He should probably retire. Um, he he's he doesn't move around much, and he sits in this chair the whole time. And look under the chair, and I look under the chair, and there's a puddle. And he's like, that's urine. He goes, he pees the chair, and then we have to, and then we have to go ahead and. And and work have the other person use that chair or put it off to it dries, so you're you're the hygienist, you know, because it's hygiene. Um, <laughs> what should we do about it? You know, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, this sounds like a personnel issue to me. I mean, or HR now. So now that's the, dedication. Yeah, that's right dedication there. right there. Yeah, but the fact is that, that, that then we, you know, obviously uh, this place had not had an industrial hygienist yet, so it was a real quick trigger to make certain we call assembly and. Right. explain to everybody exactly what industrial hygiene is. It's not, it's not, it's uh, it's not, it's not dealing with personnel issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so finishing up, I mean, what, if, if, if you could talk to uh, a young person out there and, and he's interested in getting into uh, a field or he's looking to, he's fixing to graduate high school this year. Uh, of course, it's, it's, it's different graduating in the last two years than it has been previously. What's, what's one bit of advice you would give uh, for industrial hygiene in the workplace or to that individual who's thinking about getting into industrial hygiene?
1: Oh, the, the individual that's getting, thinking about it, um, they need to a- ask themselves, do they like to get out in the field? Do they like to, to measure things? Do they like science? Um, if they do, this is for them. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty neat. You get to get out You get to interact with people and stuff like that and, 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 and for the good. Um, someone that's just starting out. Um, I would have to say, believe it or not for me, and, and it's, it's probably not gonna be easy, but if it's a smaller facility, we'll just go to small and the big ones can't do it. Mm-hmm. If it's a smaller facility, I wanna address fit testing. Um, when I was an industrial hygienist at some of these large facilities, they didn't have all, all the, all the uh, available resources to do it. So that was part of your job, was to sit down and fit test every single person. What well, that meant you got six to 12 minutes of every single person in that plant to talk to. You got to know who they are. You got to know their intricacies. You got to know what they do. You got to ask a bit about what they do. You got to know what their complaints were 20 years ago. And you read out the plants and say, well, mm-hmm. that was 20 years ago or what their common ones are. So, and you got to put a face to the name. I'd say that's, 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 if you can do it, it's a lot of work. But I think that that's an important component to be able to have the touch to all those individuals. Um... I think the other thing is that I, I think that's been successful for me um, is get, getting out in the plant. I know it's, it's difficult with the, with the documentation and right. the paper that you have, but get out in the plant, especially during uh, outages and turnarounds. We have to be out there a lot of times anyway. And I think the best way to get people to, to like industrial hygiene is you have to show interest in what they do, you know, ask questions, what they do, what are the shortcuts to this, how does that work? And then they'll show interest in what you do. And once they show interest in what you do, you kind of got them, right? Because mm-hmm. you can discuss the types of things in small talk. Um, shadow people, you know, on your off time. Shadow some operators, shadow some welders, shadow some engineer, process engineers, and learn all you can because that's stuff you have to learn to be able to know what the true potential issues are. And then I'd have to say last is try to be positive. Um, I think the industrial hygienist groups is always bears of bad news. Uh, there's a lot of times there's a lot of negative negative stuff that then sets back people, so 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 relish in the good ones when you have success. Get out there and promote that success. Get it in the plant newspaper. Get it out into into certain things. And also there is positive data too. Right. Don't just let the data sit. You know, show that the data shows that there aren't things happening, and and get that out and show these trends as well, so that people show so it shows that there's value in what you're doing there. Yes. So yeah. So, Bob, just following up on our conversation
0: that we had, I know you mentioned uh, several things there that I, I want to highlight. One was that there are all those resources you said. You listed quite a few places that people could go. Obviously, we go to CDC. We know that. But what, are, what were some of those other places or websites that you were mentioning earlier?
1: Well, i, I like to say that CDC is number one. But I I really like the AIHA. They had several. You can go out to their website, the AIHA, AIHA, American Industrial Hygiene Association, .org. Um, And then they've set up up a specific one for back to work safely. And they have several guides that they've done um, from engineering controls that you can utilize in the workplace where they actually show that, you can you know you can you can uh, increase the air changes per hour in your building, and that would really be a great big benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, that can even be with uh, like negative air units or air purifying units, is what they like to call them. Um, leaving your uh, making certain that you leave various kind of ventilation uh, like lab hoods on. You know they have very good pointers on on what to do uh, for for ventilation for engineering controls. They also have a supplement to that which is good, which I, I liked as well. But they have like uh, back to work cleaning methods and things like that and protocols. The other one would be the American Industrial, sorry, the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists. That's ACGIH.org. and they have a really nice white paper on ventilation mm-hmm. uh, for for COVID nineteen. Which, of course, when I say ventilation for COVID nineteen, this can apply to all the pandemics to come. You know, right, right? So anything that's viral or even bacterial, this could this this would be beneficial. Um, the uh, National Safety Council has, has several uh, on their home page and they're, they're, every one I t- talk about since COVID is so uh, uh, you know important today it, they're all right there on the front page right there on right. the splash page and they're well organized there's, for the one for the, for the National Safety Council they, they have more for like uh, uh, working in restaurants and etc so there's some really good stuff there too okay. uh, OSHA of course has uh, their guideline that came out in March that's uh, getting people back to work. Uh, Ashray has some really good stuff in there. They have a really nice uh, interaction uh, that you take you through a map of all the, the HVAC system and what you should do. They talk about uh, they do address um, uh, bipolar uh, uh, bipolar ionization type of disinfection. Right. They address the uh, UVC disinfection. Uh, you know, really, they point that you better uh, talk to a professional. Right. But but they talk about the, you know the, their their positions on some of that. Um, I tell you one that that I know that the, that the here this facility here since you've been very dedicated to the cleaning, which would be a very useful one, and that's a report for the professional cleaning and restoration contractors, and that's the one that I mentioned that uh, was a joint effort between the A I H A, and then a couple of the restoration entities, the Restoration Industry Association. And the Institute of Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certi- certification. You can go out and get that um, on online, and it's 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 really really good. They're, it's it's already up to the fifth edition. Oh really? And, okay. Yeah, and and the most recent is October twenty sixth, and they do caution you to keep keep looking because they're constantly updating it. But it had some really uh, interesting points that cleaning is just not cleaning. I mean, you really need to pay attention to 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 the actual uh the EPA approved chemical itself mm-hmm. foaming is better than liquids li- cuz you can see where you're going so right. foams work well but, it, it, but and then they take some some positions on some of the other stuff as i mentioned like fogging and things of that nature okay um i think that covered them
0: so the other the other thing that you mentioned that was very interesting and you know i'm sure people had these in place before 2020 but it's it's interesting a pandemic plan yeah. right so most people have a pandemic plan but before this year did we really i mean i'm sure some people knew what had to be in it but it's 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 got to have changed since this year right i mean is there is there any kind of place that people can go if if they don't have a pandemic plan or they're working on a pandemic plan is there any any resource they can go to that that would show them what's in a good or maybe even an example of a good pandemic plan?
1: Yeah, all those, all those resources that I mentioned uh, reference um, textbooks and so forth that, is, that have uh, put out some models on a, on a pandemic plan um, from, like I say, the avian, the, the avian bird flu and some of the other things. Um, this is not an uncommon uh, type of position. Uh, it's called the, the, the infection control professional in a hospital as well to control the nosocomials and stuff like that. So JCOS and, and some of those entities will probably have some pretty good places to go, um, but but really I think you just need to look at the guides that are out there and just place of what should really be in a, in a plan. And you know it starts out with um, making certain that you have the, the, the written procedure that encompasses training you're going to give everybody, mm-hmm. um, conducting a risk assessment. I think that that's an important part. Is, you know, uh, who's at risk, what's at risk and stuff like that. So you got your people that you don't need to be coming in, in. you know, mm-hmm. we can we can manage this long term or forever with with individuals that don't need to report to work. You know, um, we, we're, we've been very successful. We're 100 percent telecommute. And what I what I tell that uh, Teams was the greatest invention ever. Right. I say during from eight to whatever eight to five whatever your laptop or your computer is your office and you're in Teams. So if I need to walk down the hallway to talk to you, I just hit you in Teams. So, right. So the so the, it's pretty easy to communicate. Um, tracing you gotta have to have some really good tracing and that's just and and I know that close contact just got uh, I think that got a new definition here recently. So you need to do a good tracing reporting. You know, making certain that you the person's honest and reports that they just had uh, maybe a relative come back from out of the country and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, a good response plan, cleaning and disinfection, which we mentioned. You got to deal with your contractors, um, not only the contractors in like the the uh, industrial setting, but coming in and disrupting through regular construction work some of the things that you have in place in your HVAC. That that's where I think the infection control. Uh, in a hospital, we'd be beneficial because there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of paperwork and forms that happen right. that could be beneficial when that occurs. Um, security, uh, like they mentioned, the controls, uh, evaluation, and uh, return to work, screening, mask. I mean, you just keep on going. Yeah, But but that's, a, I think that's essentially the, the bullet points that should be in the plan. And I don't see those. I, I see that mentioned as a very common thread throughout everything that, that I've mentioned here, from OSHA guides to AIHA guides to internet search guides.
0: So the help is out there if we need to find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and and, and there's several of us. Like, you know, we have to submit our plan to many of the host companies or many of the companies we go to, and, um, you know, these, these companies have spent a lot of time and effort and we'll, we'll read theirs, and we'll oh, that's that's I like that. That's kind of <laughs> nice. So, so some, especially some of the the return to work testing, I really like. So, because yeah. it speeds up the process from fourteen days to getting them returning a little sooner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you just just kind of rob some of that. Yeah. You know? And
0: when the ultimate goal is that everyone's safe, there's there's no shame in, in stealing, stealing someone else's good idea, right? You
1: bet that's correct. That's All right. right. No Manufacturers should be encouraged. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I, I uh, that's
0: that's a, that's that's our mission. So we've talked a lot, Bob, uh, about a lot of things. Industrial hygiene uh, covered pretty much a whole spectrum of the the industry and 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 COVID nineteen and return to work if if someone had a question say say we mentioned something on this podcast and and somebody's like well he mentioned it but i really don't understand or i'm really not sure what he meant and if they wanted to reach out to you are you open to letting people reach out to you
1: of course um yeah that'd be good it'd be awesome to have a a, you know say one of the things that's been a difficult time this year is having small talk and brainstorms and Mm -hmm. you know being able to to, to expand your, your, your contacts and so forth. So, yeah, they can reach me on my email. It actually, it might be easiest just to go out to the website, which would be uh, hseworld.com, mm-hmm. and then they'll give you all the contact information that you need. That's hseworld.com. Not health, safety, environmental, so hseworld.com. Okay, yeah. excellent. Yeah. And then they would be
0: able to just submit a question or, or contact you via email through that. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. Well, Bob, I appreciate you coming to, to uh, talk with us today, and uh, I hope you uh, can get back to uh, having good turkey and Thanksgiving, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and having a, a, a the rest of very successful rest of twenty twenty, and can't wait for twenty twenty one.
1: Yeah, me neither. Hey, th- thank you very very much. It's always a pleasure, Tom.
0: All right, thanks.